0: Today we're going to continue our series entitled, Love One Another, and we're going to go ahead and jump right into the Word of the Lord this morning and really just grab hold of what God has for us today. First John chapter 4, we're going to look at verses 19 through 21. The Bible says this, it says, we love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God but hates his brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And He has given us this command that those who love God must also love their brothers and sisters, amen? And so we began a couple weeks ago talking about really what is love, and we kind of began this ongoing definition of the love of God, because if we're going to love people, we're only going to really effectively be able to love people when we begin to love people with the love. That God has loved us with. Amen? So let's look at our definition real quick. We kind of just have been unpackaging this a little bit together. We said love is the greatest commandment. Love God, love people. It's the fulfillment of the law. It is the new commandment of our new covenant that sets us apart as disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said, don't just love your neighbor as yourself. I want you to love your neighbor like I love you. And that's a pretty awesome love. Amen? It is also, we said, love is the divine motivator of heaven. It's the thing that moves God to action, and it should be the thing that moves us into relationships and into life. We also said it's the foundation stone of healthy relationships. When God wanted to begin a relationship with me and you, He didn't judge the world. He didn't condemn the world. He loved the world. And because of the love of God, He laid a foundation stone for me and you to come to know Him. And we said that love is the key to influencing other people for God, right? We can't hate people into the kingdom. We have to actually love people into the kingdom of God. The next point, if you look at that, we said love is not a feeling, right? There's an emotion and a feeling of love, but love is a whole lot more than a feeling. We said love is actually an act or an action of faith that builds bridges and cultivates healthy relationships. And last Sunday we said that we believe that the only way we can love a God that we cannot see is to love the people we can see, right? The way I treat people is the way that I love God, right? Because how can I say I love God whom I haven't seen if I hate my brother whom I have seen? So the only way to love God is to love people. And then we just made this little statement. We said love does, right? Love is an action that engages us in loving out loud. Love's not just a word, not just a feeling. It is an act and literally an action of faith that has to be expressed in order to be real love. Love that is withheld is not real love. Love is expressed in our actions and our lives and the way that we live. Last week I gave you what I call relationship 101, the the bottom foundational stone of how do we begin to love each other with the love of God? And we looked in Romans 16, but this is what we learned last Sunday. We said, love greets one another with affection. Love acknowledges even if it doesn't agree. And we talked about that. We talked about how that when we love people, we greet people, we acknowledge people. And when we acknowledge their presence and we acknowledge their words and we acknowledge their thoughts and we acknowledge their feelings, what we're actually doing is we're loving those people. And we don't have to agree with them, but we do have to love them. And when I acknowledge them, even if I disagree with what they're thinking or what they're feeling or what they're going through, I don't have to agree with it, but I can still love them. And when I acknowledge them, I show them love. I I give value and worth to their existence when I acknowledge what they have to say, what they're feeling, and what they're going through. And we've all experienced this, and I just challenged you last Sunday to think about the people that you really feel love you and what you'll recognize, the people that you feel like really love you are the people that value you and the people that make you feel like you are significant and important. And the reason they make you feel significant and important is because they acknowledge who you are, they acknowledge what you say. They acknowledge what you think and they acknowledge what you feel. Even if they don't agree with it, they still listen to you and acknowledge you because they love you. Now today we're going to take another step and we're going to kind of unpackage a really great thought today uh, found in Romans chapter 15, verse 5 and 7. The Bible says, May God who gives us patience and encouragement help you to live in complete harmony with each other as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. And then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 7. So therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Look at that next point on your outline. Here it is. How do we love each other? Well, love accepts. Love accepts one another just as Christ accepts us. Now I want you to think about that for just a minute. How did Christ, or when did Christ, is probably the more appropriate question, when did Christ accept you? The Bible says that God demonstrated His love toward us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Most of us experienced the love of God not when we were at our best, but usually when we were at our worst. Most of us experienced the love of God not when we were at the top of our game. Most of us were out of the game, right? I mean, our lives were falling apart and broken. Very rarely does somebody come to Christ because they are very happy with their life. Most people come to Christ because they realize that their way of living life doesn't work anymore. And that somehow my way of living life isn't producing the life that I really want to live. I need God, right? And I need God. I need God to do something in me I can't do for myself. And most of us experience the love of God, and we are accepted by God, not when we're at our best, but when we're at our worst. And the reality is none of us would be here in this room today if it were not for the love of God that accepted us in those moments. Right, Billy Graham made a a little song famous, right? He played it at the end of his uh, services. It was his altar call or invitation song. Anybody know what that was called? Just as I am, right? Just as I am without one plea, that's how I come to God. Just as I am, right? Because that's the only way you can actually come to God. You can only come to God just as you are. So let's talk about this a little bit. What does it mean to really accept people and love one another through acceptance. So look at that next point. So we love each other when we accept people where they are, just like they are. Where they are, just like they are. So if you think about loving people, we said love builds a bridge and cultivates healthy, life-giving relationships. So the only way I can connect and cultivate a relationship with somebody is I've got to accept that person right where they are, just as they are. Now we're going to talk about it in just a minute because I'm going to be honest with you, Uh, sometimes we kind of start talking about love and love and love and love, you need to love people, love people, love we kind of get confused and we kind of cloudy and muddy the water a little bit. We're going to bring a little clarity in a minute and we're going to talk about what accepting people doesn't mean. Let's talk about for just a minute what it does mean. Accepting people simply means accepting people where they are just like they are. Because that's how Christ accepted us. Now, He loved us right where we are, just like we were, and He loved us too much, we've all heard it said, right, to leave us that way, but He loved us that way. And we've all been in relationships, and I actually just put on the screen there, we've got to stop trying to change people. We've got to stop trying to change people, and we've got to start loving people because it's love that empowers people to change. Now we've all have probably been in relationships where you were in a relationship with somebody and you knew that the, the heartbeat of that relationship is that they were trying to change you. You ever been in one of those relationships, every time you get around, they're trying to change you, and if you just do that, I'd like, and if you just do that, and if you just do that. And and you get in those relationships where they're constantly trying to change you or shape you into who they think you should be. And here's what happens when you get in those kinds of relationships. When you get in those kinds of relationships where you're trying to change people and not love people, people become projects. You're my project, and I want to change you. And here's the challenge. As Christians, we kind of raise the bar on that. As Christians, we have a tendency to want to turn people into projects. And let me tell you why. We just had 40 people go through an encounter this week, and we had 40 people whose lives were wrecked by the glory and the goodness of God. And they're all gonna go home today, and they're gonna want their family and their friends and their coworkers to experience what they experienced, and they're gonna want them to change, and they're gonna want them to be forgiven, and they're gonna want them to be healed, and they're gonna want them to be delivered, and they're gonna want them to be set free, and they're gonna want them to have everything that God has for them. And if we're not careful as Christians, we'll turn people into projects. And we'll just start trying to change people. And let's be honest. We're not. not. I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, okay? I'm really not. And you may not be either. (laughs) But we're all sharp enough to know when somebody really doesn't love us, when somebody really just wants to change us. And here's the powerful thing. When we stop trying to change people, and we actually start loving people, love empowers people to change. Now, let me just clear something up. Love doesn't change people. And I can prove it to you. Right now, hell is filled with people that God loves. Hell is filled with people that God loves. Everybody in hell right now is in hell, and God loves them. They're not in hell because God doesn't love them. They're in hell because they rejected the love of God. God loves them, right? John three sixteen. for God so loved the who? The world, good, bad, and ugly. Rich, poor, black, and white, doesn't matter who you are. God so loved the world. Hell is filled with people that God loves. So if loving people changed people, no way to be in hell because God has loved everybody and continues to love people that are still in hell today. Love doesn't change you. Love empowers you to change. Because this is what love does. Think about this for a minute. Love gives you a choice. If you don't have a choice, it's not love. If I'm making you love me, then you really don't love me. (laughs) Love creates a choice. And if there's no choice, there's no love. That's what Christianity makes Christianity so awesome. Christianity is a love relationship with God. And people are in hell because God doesn't want to make you love Him. God loves you whether you love Him or not. And His love empowers you to change if you're willing to respond to that love. And here's what the choice that love does gives us this is amazing. Love gives us a better choice. Because here's the choice, right? We see it all the time, and you see it a lot in, in kids, but specifically in teenagers, but it doesn't stop with teenagers. It rolls right over into adulthood, right? And this is what it looks like. You ever seen somebody, they get around these people and they act this way? And they get around these people and they act this way. And they get around these people and they act this way. So when I'm around my church people, I act churchy. When I'm around the worldly people, I act worldly. When I'm around the perverted people, I act perverted and I tell ugly jokes. Have you ever seen people do that? Have you ever been that person? <laughs> Have you ever wondered? Have you ever wondered why do we do that? Think about it for a second. Why in the world do I act this way around these people, act this way around these people, and act this way around these people? I was going to tell you why. Because we want to be accepted. We want to be accepted. We want to be accepted by the people we work with, so we act like the people we work with. We want to be accepted by the people we go to church with, so we act like the people we go to church with. We want to be accepted by the people we hang out with on Friday night, so we act like the people we hang out with on Friday night. And the reality is, is the reason that we are conforming into different images is because we know that these people really don't love us like we are. And the only way they will love me is if I act like they want me to act. And if I don't act this way, they won't love me. And so I have to pretend to be something I'm not and pretend to be something I'm not and pretend to be something I'm not because there's something in the heart of every man and woman that wants to be accepted. And that desire to be accepted is genuinely a desire to be loved that was put there by God. Now here's. The kicker. Here's what love does. When I stop trying to change people, and I just start loving people, love gives them a better choice. Here's the better choice. I don't have to conform. I can be transformed by the love of God into the person God's called me to be. I don't have to conform. I can be transformed by the love of God. That's what love does. And, and it tickles me as I interact with people, people know I'm a pastor, and, and, uh, and so I get around people that really cuss a lot, and they get around me and they try not to cuss, right? And then they'll let one slip, oh, I'm sorry, pastor. I'm saying, you don't owe me an apology. I'm going to love you whether you cuss or not. You probably owe God an apology because that's not a good way to use His name but you don't owe me an apology, and I appreciate the fact that they respect me enough not to cuss in front of me. That makes me thankful. But this is what I know. I want people to know that no matter who you are and no matter where you are, I'm going to love you. No matter who you are and no matter where you are, I'm going to love you because that's how God loves me. God loves me unconditionally. God accepts me right where I am, just as I am. And not only did He accept me right where I am, just as I am when I got saved, which I was messed up. I'm not as messed up now, but I'm still messed up. (laughs) See, we kind of think, oh yeah, when God saved me, I was really bad. Let me just say to you today, you're probably not really good. (laughs) I mean, come on. If I knew you like you knew you, you would be embarrassed. If you knew me like I knew me, I would be embarrassed. Right? The truth is not only did God accept you when you were a sinner away from God just like you were just where you were, God continues to accept you right where you are just as you are. You're not as bad as you used to be, but you're not as good as you should be, but God still accepts you, and it is that love Not that changes us, it is that love that empowers us to change because now I realize I don't have to be conformed to all these different images to be accepted. God actually loves and accepts me just as I am, right where I am, and I can choose to respond to His love and no longer be conformed but let God transform me into the person that He created me to be. And you talk about liberating, and you talk about freeing. I I look at some people and I think how tired they must be wearing so many masks. Go to work, I'm going to look like this. Go to church, I'm going to look like this. Go out on Friday, I'm going to look like this. Get around this group, I look like this. Get around this group, I look like this. Get around this group, and I look like this. How exhausting that has to be. How exhausting that is. And see, the love of God is so liberating. And what's also liberating is not that He loves us that way, but we can actually begin to love people that way. We can begin to love people and accept people right where they are, just as they are. And stop trying to change them and just love them. Now, now let me me give you another scripture. I want you to see John chapter 8. Because I want you to see what accepting is not. And then I want to bring a little clarity to distinguish him between loving people and having relationships with people because there's a difference. John 8, 4 through 11, the Bible says this Teacher, this is the scribes and Pharisees talking to Jesus. This woman was caught in the very act of adultery, and the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. And they kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, all right, but let one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust, and when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. And then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Look at that next point. So accepting is not enabling and condoning sin. That's not love. Love doesn't enable people to keep destroying themselves with addiction. Love doesn't enable people to continue down self-destructive paths. Love doesn't condone. Nowhere in Scripture will you see Jesus enabling people to sin or condoning their sin. What you will see Jesus doing is refusing to condemn people. Enabling and condoning sin. See, God loves sinners, but he hates sin. That's not love. And accepting somebody where they are just like they are means that I'm going to refuse to condemn that person. I'm not going to enable you, and I'm not going to condone you.
1: I'm not going to gonna enable you to destroy self.
0: yourself, so if you need my money to go get high, you ain't getting it. Right. I'm it's sorry you don't have groceries. You had grocery money, you, you spent it over here. Sinners, but he hates sin. That's not love. I'll call DHR and, and let somebody, them feed your they kids. Are you they are means that I'm going to refuse to condemn to that person. How I many of y'all know that's love? I'm not going to enable you, and I'm not going to condemn you. Oh, Pastor Keith, that's horrible. That's horrible. You should never do that. You should never do that. No, 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 no. You should never get high and let your kids go hungry. How loving you is that? You had grocery money, you How unloving it over is here? that? The most unloving the thing is for kids. me to enable you to continue in sin. The most unloving thing I mean, is for me to condone what? your sin and act like it doesn't matter. Jesus never enabled. Jesus never condoned. Jesus, never Jesus, but Jesus also never condemned. Never enabled, never condoned, but He never condemned. Why? Because He loved people just where they were. And Jesus knew something. He knew that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. See, the reason love never condemns is because love realizes I can't throw any stones because I've sinned and come short of the glory of God. Who am I to condemn you when I should be condemned? Who am I to condemn you when I should be condemned? Who am I to throw a stone at you when I should have stones thrown at me? I can't do that. I have no stones to throw. We talk about our church a lot, and every now and then people say, well, Pastor Keith, y'all sure do give people a lot of grace, and and I will say every time, you're exactly right, because I need a lot of grace. I need a lot of grace. How about you? I need a lot of grace. I don't need grace to empower me to sin. I don't need grace to condone my sin. I need grace to overcome sin. And we don't empower people to sin, and we don't enable people to sin, and we don't condone people to sin, but we accept people and refuse to condemn people. Why? Because the grace of God is greater. And I can never count you out because I can never count out the grace of God to redeem and rescue your soul. So you can't count that person out because you can't count out the grace of God. Think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, called himself the chief of all sinners because he persecuted the church. He was the arch enemy of the church. He persecuted Christians. He despised Christians. He murdered Christians. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And he has inspired me and you to follow Jesus as much as any other man apart from Jesus on planet Earth. Did anybody deserve to be stoned? Absolutely. When they were stoning Stephen, they should have been stoning Saul. Stephen was honoring God. Saul was cursing God. But love accepts people where they are just like they are because love knows you can never count out the grace of God.